Can you hear me? Lost Talk Radio. Davis, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am, I hear you. We do this okay. for the people, we empower people. We do okay. this for the people, we embracing freedom. We do this for the people, we empower people. We do this for the people, we embracing freedom. We do this for the people, we created equal. Talking about the subject that'll help you be a leader. It's time to use your mind instead of killing people. The strongest man alive is the one who's thinking. It's time to show some pride. Good evening and welcome back, everybody, after a slight seven-month layoff. We are back to you again tonight, almost in the same place where we left you guys last time. Uh, The last time we were discussing the rise and fall of white supremacy, and now it seems like we are in full swing of that happening. Um, So the question is, after all of this happens or during this transitional time, where do we go from here? Um, tonight I am honored to be joined by Miss Adrian Jenkins Hunt, also known to us as the Strategy Lady, also known as Miss My Two Cents, and we also will have Ramona Shanae at some point in time, hopefully, and Mr. Warren Bellamy joining us in just a few. So hopefully we'll get some callers in and everything, and we can have a discussion about where do we go from here, what's next. What questions do people have in general? Because there's so much turmoil happening and so many questions from folks about what exactly is going on out there, what it looks like, what questions are safe for people to ask. You know, if you know a person of a different ethnicity, uh, race, whatever you want to call it, how do you interact with that in order to bridge that gap and what does that look like? So, First, I want to give Miss Adrian Jenkins Hunt the microphone. If you have anything to say at all, how you doing, by the way? Okay. Well, first of all, um, can you hear me? Okay. Is my am I turned up loud enough? Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. We hear you. Okay. I just wanted to say, first of all, thank you for allowing me to. Um, be on this show with you. Um, I'm sure you know this is something that is very uh, near and dear to my heart because once we find ourselves in a a specific place, um, then we do have to figure out what's next. So I'm really excited about um, this particular show and what direction you're moving in because although what we're doing right now is good, it's not sustainable, and then you know me, I'm always trying to find a strategy for how we can go through um, some different steps to make sure that we see the change that we really want. So thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. We know that your time is precious and we do not take it lightly. Um, So what's your take currently on everything that is going on? Like your overall take, um, we're getting a lot of apologies and stuff from businesses and people and you know you had the uh head of reddit the creator of reddit even though i know he's married to serena but still he stepped down from his board do you believe that all these things are 
PR moves and fluffing stuff, or do you believe these are actually people that are trying to make a hardcore change uh, because they've somehow all of a sudden seen the light after all this time, even though, you know, it's happened time, 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 and again, just wondering. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I do think, and I actually talked about it today um, on my page, um, I think where you see a lot of businesses see us playing for an economic boycott of various levels, and I am one of the people calling for an economic boycott, um, I think they're trying to get out in front of some things. Um, I think we've had some things that were said this week that were very unfortunate, and so uh, people are trying to walk those back. Um, but I think as in the walking back of some things, we need to see something that moves the conversation forward. Now, um, I've seen companies come out and say, hey, we're not about – this or we're not, you know, as social media has sending all of our money to support the reelection of, you know, different people or whatnot. And to me, it's not even about that. Um, it's about having different economic outcomes um, in our community. But I do think some of it is just we need to stop the bleeding. Um, we know that um, basically um, Black America, we spend a lot of money. We are very consumer-oriented. And so, but because people are, quote, unquote, woke, and they're trying to redirect their dollars, they want to make sure that we don't pull those dollars from them. So it's a mixed bag right now. Um, I'm one that, um, with an apology, I want to see movement as well. Um, I don't want just an apology. We've had enough of those. You know, I look at the apologies like Drew Brees. His first one, I just cast by the wayside. The second one, there appeared to be a little bit more thought in. You know, I don't like the reactionary apology. That's just PR crap to me. His second one was like a man that actually had some time to think about what he had done and look at some different things. And, you know, he's a person that I call inadvertently racist. You know, where it's like you don't even realize that what you did was jacked up. But <laughs> I believe at the core, that's who you are. So you're inadvertently racist just because a lot of folks just being Caucasian in society, you run into it because that's what's always been given to you. So you just, it's nothing to you that is out of line. You know, and I don't think they do it with malice from their home. You know what I mean? So. And and I think that's where we have to draw the the, the distinction between people being overtly racist and people that kind of practice a system that supports racism, whether it's their intent or not. Now, I can admit that I've not seen the second um, apology, but the first one we know was written by a PR firm. And it was written by a PR firm that tends to write statements for people who need to get out of trouble, if you will, uh, with our community. Uh, but one thing I do know is I do know that a lot of his players um, uh, and teammates have reached out to him. And I think that's where we need to make sure, you know, that we're careful because I, I had someone say something to me and it was kind of a microaggression and she didn't realize it. But once we had the conversation and I was able to hear her point of view and she was able to hear mine, we both were able to grow and learn from it. So I think one of the reasons that some people shut down 
is because when statements are made like that, we automatically label the person. And I think labels are dangerous because there are some people that they, there are some people that know what they're doing and they know what they say when they say it. And then there are others because that's just been their norm and they're willing to be educated. And so I think we need to educate those people in love and then make sure though that we see something different. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how, okay. So my cousin posted finally on his social media about what happened to him. Um, he's a shoe designer for Adidas. And while he was at the Super Bowl, he, they were out celebrating the fact that Patrick Mahomes was wearing his, was going to wear his shoe in the Super Bowl the next day. So they're celebrating, you know, drinks and everything. They were going back, getting ready to go back. And, and this uh, Caucasian fella reached out and told him, he said, you know what, Eric, you're my nephew. And I guess it didn't go quite the way he planned on it going. And when my cousin said, well, no, I'm actually not, the guy told him to stop being a little B because all the rappers use it in music and we say it to each other. So, you know, he didn't understand what the issue was. My cousin walked away from him. He charged him, and my cousin hit him and broke his drawing hand on the guy's jaw. But the disappointing part was Adidas's reaction to it was to reprimand my cousin and put him on a final warning. Um, and so, you know, they're calling for Adidas to do their part in setting up a you know an environment of cultural diversity and, and and basically everything they say on the commercials that they are to actually live up to it. So I was glad to see him call that out more than you know because I had already known the story about the other part. I didn't know about what Adidas had did to him um, for basically defending himself from somebody who had attacked him. And I understand coworkers, whatever else, but this man attacked him. And but that you know that's another story for another time, but just seeing these companies taking responsibility for it and whether or not it's actually going to be real and lasting, or is it that lip service and we really hope that y'all just stop doing what you're doing so that we can go back to doing what we were doing. Well, and I think a lot of that has to do with how we respond. Okay. So for example, if we, um, you know, take everybody, okay, so everybody says, I'm sorry, I won't do it again, whatever. It, it, it's almost like, you know, an abusive husband. So he beats you, and then he says, I'm sorry, you made me do it, and he sends you flowers, okay? And then everything is supposed to be right with the world. I think we are at a place where we have to hold companies, politicians, everyone accountable, and a lot of the ways that we do that is with our dollars. Now, right now, we're protesting. Um, I won't speak to the rioters, not the purpose. The purpose was to protest. The protest was to shine a light and then to rally the truth. And, but the next part of it is the economic thing. So, okay, so Adidas came out and they said that they were sorry. Okay, so what is Adidas going to do different? And until we see Adidas do something different, then we don't need, we need to redirect our dollars. And because in, in this country, and even though Adidas is not an American company, in this country, green costs. 
Um, I have actually uh, made this statement, and I've posted it a couple of times. If you cannot respect my black body, you don't need my green dollar, right? And so if, if a company comes out and they're saying, okay, my bad, we didn't realize that that was a microaggression, before I run hand you my money again, I want to see what you're going to do different. I want to see is your board going to change. I want to see is your policies going to change. Because I'm not just, a, I, I'm not, it, it's not like it's a conditional forgiveness, but I'm not giving you my, my money till I see something different. Understandable. We are also now joined by uh, Miss Ramona Shanae as well, by the way. She was able to make it in. Hi, Ramona Shanae. Hey, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. It's good to be back. That I think um, Anthony said it best. We we started out, you know, with the very last thing, you know, <laughs> the rise and fall of white uh, right, white supremacy, and then all of a sudden here we are. So it's a good segue to come back and figuring out where we go from here. And thank you so much for joining us tonight. Oh, I'm so honored to be on this first show, you know, being able to relaunch the Blog Talk Radio because we need to have these types of conversations that we need to be able to feel like we can have conversations, um, even if we don't necessarily agree with how we get to where it is we're going to go. Just having the conversations, I think, are helpful, and that's the thing that I like so much um, about um, your program is that you're willing to at least have the conversation. Yeah, and I think yeah, it's, you know I we have so many different people that are saying you know asking that question what do we do next okay we've had the protests the, we have the um, firing of the police department we have the um, the police officers um, they now have charges against them you know and some of my friends have even asked you know isn't that enough are y'all not tired what else do you want and you know maybe that's the question as well. Um, to me, this is so way much more um, than, you know, an incident that happened in Minneapolis or, you know, the incident that occurred with Breonna Taylor or the incident that occurred even here in Georgia with Ahmaud Aubrey. This is so much more. Um, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, if you want to say, because eventually, and this is something that has not died down. You know, sometimes you get the protests and those things happen and then the momentum dies down. This has turned mm-hmm. into an international affair. Um, I was watching um, protests that were being done. And, not, and, and there's a difference, let me just throw that out there, between rioting, looting, and having peaceful protests. So we're talking about the peaceful protests that had occurred. So I'm watching this in London, Paris. Um, I watched an, in, 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 um, I hate, to, cannot even say it right, indigenous tribe um, performing their sacred um, dances to, you know, protest as to what was going on. Um, did I say Sydney, Australia? Australia. We, we're seeing this around the globe because it's not just um, China um, as well. This is not just something that is that we recognize. This is something that is recognized internationally that there is a problem 
with social injustice, racism, and things that continue to occur in America. So this is a whole movement, a whole complete movement. Yes, it is, and I've seen some people liking it. I'm sorry? I said the diaspora is awakening. Yes, and I've seen people liking it to the Hill murder and the start of the civil rights movement because sometimes, you, unfortunately, you have to have a catalyst that makes people, you know, as Davis was saying, um, wake up. And then once, once you, once you wake, up, uh, wake up, then you need to start to take um, action. Um, and as far as when people say, what is it we want? Um, I think Dr. King said it best. We want America to live up to its promises, right? The, you know, the Constitution talks about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, we're still stuck trying to get life. We won't even exactly. talk about liberty and the pursuit of happiness. You know, we have a preamble to the Constitution. So we just want America to work for everyone. We want equal justice under the law for everyone. And it really... When you frame it like that, it's not even a, a black-white issue. It shouldn't be. It should be the same law should apply to everyone. We're all Americans. We and, made and the unfortunate that... mistake last time for settling for civil rights instead of asking for equality. And that's a problem. And I've talked to some people who have marched in civil rights movements and everything. And they said, yeah, that's a mistake they realized afterwards because treating you civilly and actually treating you equally are two different things. And they're like, they felt like they were tricked into it because they thought they, that that civility would have equality in it just naturally and didn't realize that all the laws and the, you know, the redlining and everything else that would come from it to where, yeah, okay, we're going to treat you civilly, but, we're going to make it so that you can't do anything really without jumping so many hurdles. It's ridiculous. And I think that's where you get the betrayal of our um, lawmaking system, because it's one thing to pass a law, but it's another thing when it's how the laws are to be upheld. So there are so many things that we, we created and then we said, okay, we're going to leave it to the states to implement those laws. Then the states implemented things um, the way they wanted to. Um, a fascinating book that I read uh, was called uh, When Affirmative Action Was White. Um, and I can't recall the uh, author right now, and that book is not in the room with me. But it talks about all of these programs and things that were set up, but then they tended to be skewed so that even though the law said we were entitled to them, we were prevented from actually getting them. And so I think that's where a lot of people um, take umbrage, if you will, with the phrase of, you know, privilege. And, it, and it's not so much that privilege means that your life has been a flowery bed of ease, but it's that your life is not put in jeopardy just because of how you look. But there are some very um, definite systemic things that were put in place that also make it difficult. And so those were things that we thought, like we thought we overcame and we really didn't. And, and I absolutely agree with you. 
Right. Ramona Snay, what you got? I, um, it's a little sensitive for me, but um, where is the church? <laughs> that, that is my, you know, and, and I'm always one to bring that portion up as far as the the church. Um, and the reason why I ask, okay, so we have, um, and I, I don't want to keep just making reference to the protesters, but, you know, sitting here in Georgia with the Ahmaud Aubrey case, just to, for an example, um, with the Ahmaud Aubrey case, we, as, as a black female, I was outraged. Um, I couldn't watch the video. I couldn't watch the video of that or George Floyd because it, it hurts. And as a mother, it hurts. Just seeing the headlines, it hurts. And, but I watched so many people um, start out with the protest in Brunswick, Georgia. And although as um, black, being black or African-American or whichever title, you know, that you want to put on it, I'm black, I'm sorry, I'm black. It is what it is, I'm black. But I didn't, when I looked at the protesters, yes, there were black people that were there, but there was a whole bunch of Caucasian people that were there, um, and you know, and, and other races, not just Caucasian, but, you know, Hispanic, Asian, and they were not happy. They were just like, you know, enough is enough. You know, th- this is too much. And so I'm looking at, you know, these protesters. And then when George, um, George Floyd happened and, you know, the Breonna Taylor um, happened as well, I'm looking at all of the protesters, black, white, brown, um, whatever color. But you're not hearing a whole lot of responses from the church. And that is so disturbing to me. I'm not sure if they don't know how to have the conversation. I'm not sure if they're hoping that this just dies down and it just gets swept under the rug. I'm not exactly sure. But in in the midst of everything that has occurred, um, you know, and I'm just just and me watching as if I'm if I'm going to say as a Christian or a person who believes in Jesus Christ. I'm looking for the church, and the church is completely and totally silent. Not only that, we have had all of these spiritual advisors that were appointed to the White House, and I'm looking at these spiritual advisors, and they weren't just Caucasian people. They were uh, multicultural. And with the multicultural parties that were advised to the White House, which is the church that's supposed to represent me, they're silent. So where do we go? What what type of conversations should the, should the churches be having having with this? Now I um I hear you, and what you were saying I was saying a couple of years ago, but I have uh, just because of some different um, pages and things that I'm following, and I'm actually scrolling my social media feed looking for one now because one of the reasons that I am so optimistic this time is because I hear body of Christ standing up. Now, I don't hear everyone, 
Um, and I don't know that you're ever going to hear every in anyone and in, in everyone, but I am hearing um, white pastors and brown pastors and black pastors all kind of speak up. I'm seeing uh, white and black pastors actually work on some things together. And so I think that people are being challenged. I'm seeing young Christians um, challenge their friends. Um, and so that gives me hope. And like I said, there's this one page, and if I can find it, I'm going to um, tell you what it is that, that I follow. And I finally just had to tell them that, you know, I really appreciate them posting. I literally would go to their page every day because I can see people in, who are part of the body of Christ who do not look like me, who really walk in the whole, it's not a black thing, it's not a white thing, it's a Jesus thing. And they're saying, this is what the word of God says. And so we're more, they, they're more about being biblical than affiliating with a particular party. Now, the uh, Bible always talks about how there were always Pharisees and Sadducees, and we're going to have them with us. But the thing is, is we have to look to the people who are speaking truth. Um, I saw someone said, um, as a matter of fact, uh, someone just shared something on my page from Hosanna Christian Fellowship, the pastor's heart just broke um, over racism. Um, I saw another pastor that posted and said, if you're not talking about racism in your church, why are you even in the ministry? I have never seen that before. Right. And so um, I think that people are finding their voice, but quite frankly, it's an awkward conversation. Um, Pastor David Swanson, who I've really been following, he's been very vocal um, about some things that need to be said. Um, and so, but it's, it's, it, it, it is a difficult conversation because, like I said, I had someone um, make the statement to me. Um, they, they were talking about the rioting. And so I made a statement about who was doing the rioting. And I told her, I said, you know, since we're friends, I thought you should know. And then she came back and she said, um, well, you know, since we're friends, you should know I don't see color. And I thought, you, you know, I thought you should know that. And I had the conversation with her <laughs> about what that said to me. Say what? Well, I'm just laughing at that. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, I had the conversation with her about what, even though what she was trying to say was, I don't see color. I see us as equal. I shared with her what that really says to me when you say that. Um, when you say that you don't see color, what you're saying is you have to look through the skin that God put me in to be able to see my humanity because there's obviously something wrong with the color that God made me. That was never her intent, but we were able to have the conversation. And then from there, she actually went out on her page and she posted and she said, the goal is to not see color but the goal is to be able to see our differences and recognize them. See, when I was in school, and I'm a lot older than y'all, they taught us that America was a melting pot, right? You take all these people from all these different places and you throw them in and you melt them all together and we all come out as one American. Well, by the time I got to middle school and going into high school, they said that America is like a salad bowl, right? You can see the lettuce, you can see the tomato, you can see the cucumber, 
but all of it goes together to make a salad. And when we get to the place where we dishonor the tomato because it doesn't look like the cucumber, that's how we end mm-hmm. up with the situation that we have right now. God is not a respecter of person. And so we have to keep, you know, how God sees us at the forefront. And that's on both sides of it because God doesn't like me any better because I'm black, right? You know, so, you know, I can be black this, but we are all equal in the sight of God. And as long as we keep that in the forefront, I think you're starting to see um, churches and, and pastors of all hues rise up and say, okay, this is not right, and we've got to do something different. And that's, that's so key. Um, I actually, and I was going to see if I can find it, one of my friends posted it, um, and, and let me just backtrack, that gives me hope. <laughs> and... <laughs> It it gives me hope because you, if um, from previous conversations with our our listeners, I I am um, I'm always either like okay I can see this from the church perspective, but you know or I'm like well where is the church, and you know and people will call and ask questions you know to me concerning that now I, I'm not the spokesperson for the church, but you know I, there are questions that I have um, concerning that. But one of my good friends um, posted something that was a little bit earlier, and um, I wanted to bring this particular topic up. So uh, what she stated was this, and um, out of respect for her privacy, I won't say her name, but um, she says that there are groups popping up, groups whose main purpose is to stalk others and search their their posts for things that they deem racist. This is a dangerous and um, this is dangerous and just as wrong as the supposed racism. This is a witch trial and cyberbullying and wrong family, their job and report them to try to get them fired. This is why our country cannot heal. I've been quiet on this mainly because I'm a white woman who has no idea what it means to be targeted. I have no idea at all. But this I can speak on because many times I've been called racist by these people because I'm white, Southern Christian, conservative woman, which automatically means that I'm racist. And then she goes on to say, um, I am not racist, and I'm doing all that I can to educate myself and my family on how we can be better. Groups like this only serve one purpose, to continuously divide our country and our hearts so that we can't learn to be better. Um, And she ends by saying, be better than this, do better, love more, and hate less. Um, So I'd like to hear your thoughts. Now, I've already responded to it, but I'd like to hear what you all would would say about um, this particular post, especially um, the do better, love better, you know, renounce the hate, and things such as that. Um, What are your thoughts? Um, I do think that we do need to do better, and I do think that we do need to love better. Um, I find myself checking my heart every day because there are some things that trigger me. Now, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure there are people who have that kind of time 
but I don't know anyone that has the kind of time to just go through people's posts and figure out, you know, what they're saying. One thing we have to recognize is all of the stuff that you see on our social media pages did not even originate in this country. So there are people who are posting from outside of the country and their sole purpose is to continue to bring division, right? So they'll, they'll post something, you know, you've had fake Black Lives Matters group and all kinds of stuff. And so th- there's that. So I take a lot of things with a grain of salt. But to be quite honest with you, there are also a lot of people that you don't even have to search hard for what they're saying because they throw it out there, right? Uh, Someone will get in a conversation with someone else, and I've seen it several times this week, and these are fresh conversations. So someone will get in a conversation with somebody, and it goes left, and the person will share it, and it goes viral. And it, it happened with somebody that was a drummer. It's happened with, you know, so, and I think instead of saying, well, I'm not a racist, I think we may need to check our hearts to see why that made me uncomfortable, you know, um, why I felt it was okay to make that statement, even if you made it years ago, because there was another football player, and I don't remember what his name is, but he went, they went back a year or so with something that he said and something about only um, elite white people should have weapons or something. Well, he said that over a year ago. People knew it was out there. He got drafted anyway. To try to call him to the carpet on that now, okay, it's a little different um, than the Drew Brees situation. I've always was taught people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, but if you're going to put yourself out there, um, you're going to have to deal with the consequences because people got all kinds of time for it right now. Yeah, especially with, with, with the yeah, I was going to say all kinds of time, especially with this um, the quarantine <laughs> that everybody's supposed to be under. That's a whole nother show, um, a whole complete different show. Because, um, it, and I'll just do this disclaimer because I'm always a disclaimer on these. If you are out protesting, please utilize your mask as best as you possibly can and social distance. Please follow um, the CDC guidelines as best as you can. Thank you. Let me ask you a question. How do I Mm -hmm. um, use my mask if an organization sends a a group of the mask to a protest and they're confiscated? And that just happened. Wow. Wow. That is something I have I have You've got a lot of people that they've been wow. asking different people. The government's been jacking it, so that's happening too. Exactly. Let me just back off my disclaimer then. That, well, no, and, but the and, thing is, because you do wow. need to try to wear your mask and stuff like that. But there were a right. bunch of masks, and I don't remember what state they went to, so I don't want to say it wrong. They had Black Lives Matter on the front, and the police confiscated them. There were a station set up where people could, you know, the medical care and all of that kind of stuff and those kind of things were destroyed. So, you know, mm, I, I, but yeah, I also know some people are saying there's two pandemics out there. 
You know, mm-hmm. I'm willing to risk my life of catching one to try to eradicate the other. Mm-hmm. It's well said. Very well said. So I I I don't know. You know, I I look at everything that's going on, and America is not going to be the same. That that's just no possible way with everything that's going on. That's the same. And and I and I believe you said it a little bit earlier. It's not a black thing. It's not a white thing. Um, and honestly. If what and it's my personal opinion, I don't think it's just a police thing either, especially when we have corrupt government officials as well. Um, you know, they yes, there are bad cops, just like there are good cops. There are bad mm-hmm. church folks, just like there are good church folks. Right. But just that whole injustice, the systematic oppression of a specific minority group does not just stem from a police officer or, um, you know, just one person who's had a bad experience with whichever. This is a whole country that is having a whole issue, and America is not going to be the same. So, yes, I do see these conversations that are starting to happen, you know, and but everybody has the question. Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? You know, in in, in a perfect society, uh, and I think it was, um, there was one gentleman that, it was an elderly protester that got knocked down by the police department. And it was originally reported that all 57 officers resigned. But all 57 officers did not resign. They actually said that they were no longer going to be doing Active protest or active, whatever the case may be, they are not going to do that. They sat down to that particular post. I'm I'm sorry. They were stepping down from that task force that was overseeing all of that. It's like their anti-terror, it's like their heavy-duty task force. Okay, so so when when you ask, you ask where we go from here. Okay, first Mm -hmm. of all, if we want to move forward. We have to deal with the root, okay? So we got to go back to the beginning because, I, you know, I'm, I'm a news nerd. I am a book nerd, you know, and I try to stay up on what's going on. But I kept hearing people say, you know, this is not America. We're better than this. Yeah, this is America, right? So we have to go back to the beginning and look at how we were founded, um, and we have to look at what we allowed, you know, coming through. And a lot of that was things that we allowed in the church. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. So it all goes down to the economics of having free labor build your wealth. And, and, and it is what it is. And it was just easier to have the black people be that free labor because you could kind of pick them out of a crowd. Is this, does that make sense to you? Mm-hmm. Like when you brought over mm-hmm. indentured servants, you know, if they were free, but they were from Europe, you know, once their time was up, they could just kind of blend in. So it all goes back to the economics of the thing. And, and the economics got to be even to the point where the church turned a blind eye and we made it okay. I mean, you could be a good 
Christian person and own people. Now, slavery that God talks about in the Bible is so far removed from slavery that was practiced in America, and that's why they called it the peculiar institution, because even in the Bible, Mm -hmm. if you were enslaved, you were enslaved for a time. But there was never a person that this person is a slave, and you have these multiple generations that were kept in bondage. So, But because we perverted the word, um, we ended up with what we have now. And we're going to have to go back to the word. We're going to have to repent as a nation, and then we're going to have to turn and start to do some things different. And that's what I see now, because if we don't, we're in for a rough ride. Yeah, I was telling somebody, I said, uh, your heroes are not my heroes. I said, that's just unfortunately how it is. You know, I used to sit under my grandmother and hear her tell stories that she heard, you know, about Columbus and everything. And she was like, you have to stop celebrating this stuff because this is some this. And I didn't understand it as a kid. And then when I got older and started finding out about it, I said, oh, my gosh. I was in shock, you know, to find out how he wiped out an entire civilization of people and here he is with this holiday and everything propped up and then you start looking at Andrew Jackson and all the different presidents and everything and all the stuff they did and it's like we're celebrating you massacring people basically and that makes you a great man but the people that you happen to massacre and dominate look like me though and and, and it's not just that you know, it's not just us. Let's talk about the indigenous people who, you know, the original Americans. You know, they had the trail of tears and, and all of that, but it all boiled down to to the um, economics to the point that even if there's a, uh, there's a book that I just finished reading, and I'm going to always refer back to a book because I like for people to be able to um, go back and, and research on their own. Um, I am a fact checker, which is why I don't pretty much accept what I see in too many things that the only reference point is YouTube, because I need to be able to research that back. But there is a book called Inherently Unequal, and it's The Betrayal of Equal Rights by the Supreme Court, 1865-1903, and it's by Lawrence Goldstone. And one of the things that I found really fascinating about that book was it talked about social Darwinism and stuff like that. So you had people who sat back and they tried to figure out why we were inherently unequal because we were black and they packaged it in such a way that it made good white people say, oh, okay, well, then this is just their lot in life. And that's how they appeased what they did. It was the most fascinating thing. So now when you go to the Supreme Court and you try to push your case, all men are created equal, the Supreme Court can confidently say, like they did in Dred Scott, that the black man has no rights that a white man is bound to uphold because you were inherently equal. Because if you're inherently unequal, you had to have been made unequal by God. And that's how I... um, make myself feel good and righteous about what I'm doing. Fascinating book. 
<laughs> yeah. But it all boils down to money. You have to be able to justify why you can hold people. And basically, it was just, you know, we, you know, and so when we say we built this company, this country, yeah, we built this country and we built it for free. And there are some things because even after the Civil War, because we were determined to keep the status quo. Yeah, there might not have been slavery anymore, but we tried to get as close to it as we could. We literally, I mean, the South is, we've got some of the poorest states in the South. The education systems aren't good. The wages aren't good. And all of that is because when we had an opportunity to pivot in 1865, we said, no, we want to keep the status quo. And so we lost out on on continuing to be an agricultural powerhouse while up north they were becoming an industrial powerhouse. So we gave away some things back then that we're still paying for. That I did not know. Tells you I'm a book nerd. And the one thing that I love about having the strategy lady on, she's going to come not you know her, not just with her opinion, but she's coming with facts, book knowledge, websites, things that you can check, and everything such as that. That is why we love having her on because she's going to bring you know the light inside of the darkness. That's the best way that I can describe it. You're going to get a history lesson. You're going to get marching instructions on how to move forward, and she's also going to meet you where you're at right now, you know, and bring up the situation. Okay, let's deal with this. That's one of her favorite things that she loves to say to me. Okay, I I hear what you're saying. Okay, now let's deal with it. Let's deal with the emotion into what you're saying. What has got you feeling some type of way about these situations? We love having you, um, Adrienne Jenkins Hunt. (laughs) Absolutely love it. Oh, thank you. Because Anthony just (laughs) – The thing with our emotions is your emotions can betray you, right? So while I'm all up here and I'm hooping and hollering and carrying on or whatever, and now I'm acting out of emotion. And I think the week that, okay, so we'll we'll talk about the T-shirts, right? Uh, The T-shirts, we're not emotional. We're just historically um, exhausted. Is is that what I said? Is that what the shirt says? Fatigue. Fatigue. I'm sorry. So, see, my own quote, and I can't even get it right. But the thing is, is I said that when I was grieving, right? We we were talking about Ahmaud Arbery, and I was grieving because when I saw that murder, and I tried not to watch it, I tried not to watch actual killings on TV. I just try not to because I, I try to practice what I call radical self-care. But when I saw that, before I started seeing and hearing other people say it, my mind immediately went to Emmett Till. And I said, this is a modern-day lynching, right? And then we had Brianna. She was in her bed, right? And, yes, she was murdered, but then her boyfriend got arrested. So you're going to kick in my door. You're not going to tell me who you are. I have a legal firearm. I shoot and then I go to jail. It's like, really? 
And then the whole thing right. with George Floyd. Uh, George Floyd. Yeah, and the, the whole NRA. thing just rolled together. So, hey, oh, the NRA is always going to be silent when we're standing our ground. We know that. If you want to know the only time we got meaningful gun reform in this country, you have to go back to when Ronald Reagan was the governor of California and the Black Panthers showed up at the state house strapped. We got meaningful gun reform then, right? So, so the thing is, is you know, you take to your social media pages, and we do need to grieve. And I grieved very openly. I grieved very publicly. I cried over my children, your children. I cried over everybody's children. I wrote poetry. I wrote poems. You know, I wrote blogs. But then after I grieved, then you have to do the two steps. You got to pray and then listen for a plan because you cannot grieve forever. You don't want yourself to be um, overtaken by a spirit of grief because that's another trick of the enemy, right? Is once you get, you just, you grieve and you grieve and you grieve. And when you grieve that much, you get stuck and you can't do anything. So we have to grieve. And the Bible says, weep with those who weep. So you know, even if it does not affect you personally, we need to weep with those who weep. But then after that, right. what we have to do is we have to, you know, pray, okay, God, and now we need a plan, right? And so different ones get a plan. Now, my thing has been to talk about ways to get different economic outcomes in our community. But with me being a mouthpiece, because I talk a lot, I can't say, okay, well, how come the hand isn't talking? Because that's not the hand's job. We all have to find mm-hmm. out what God would have us do in this season. Because if we all play our part, then we will get it done. Right. I'm sorry. I went off on and a that, and that, that one. That, that was no, very, no, you're that fine. That was very close <laughs> to my heart. Yeah. You, you are absolutely fine because... Um, yeah. I always yeah. catch wisdom nuggets in everything you say. I always catch it, <laughs> and even like what you were just what what you were stating. One of the most profound things that um, that shook my life um, was the conversation that you had and what you were just touching on. Um, you said uh, we were just general conversation talking about our grieving, and you know how you expressed how you were feeling as a mother. And there's so many people that are saying, oh, you're so emotional. Oh, just get over it. And you said it, and it rang so loud in my my ears, my eyes, my heart. You said, we are not emotional. We are historically fatigued. And it is something that it's just resonated, not just to the black community, but all communities. It is, it is not, this is not an emotional thing that, yes, it hurts. It pulls our heartstrings and everything else such as that. But this call to action is not, it calls an emotional call to action. Yes, we do see things, people who run off on the, the emotions. But we also are seeing, and this is what I see, I'm seeing um, groups that are coming together that are wanting to put their funds back into the black community. 
you know, where we spend money out here, here, and here, those funds are going, you know, we're, we're making conscious efforts to look at what we are purchasing to say, is this helping my community or is this not helping our, our community? One of the, um, there was a video that was shown um, where there was a gentleman, I, and I'm not sure if he was looting or if he was ready just to go out there and go do whatever, but he was angry, so angry. And then there was another black gentleman that came up to him, and he's like, I get it. I know you're angry. I know you're hurt. But by the time you finish doing whatever it is that you think you're getting ready to do, it's not going to solve the problem. And then he turned to right. another gentleman who was like 16. He's like, you know, I know you're angry, and you don't understand why they're saying your life does not matter, why they're saying all these different things to you. But what this is getting ready to happen is not going to change. It might make it might bring awareness. It might get your attention, as you say, that the catalyst of it. But it comes down to these conversations, these people being educated on who we are voting for. Um, not just because they're black, not because they're white, not because they're Republican, not but because they're they're, they're Democrat or or um, libertarian. It comes down to the fact of the matter of, of looking at the right person. If they're in office, what, what is their voting history? What have they done? What are they doing to stop racism and social injustice? Not just for um, people that are black, but all people of color, all minorities, um, all people who are, you know, the poor, the working class poor. This is just so many things that have this to a head. Because the people are tired. They mm-hmm. are emotionally fatigued. They're historically fatigued. And that's that's why that right. that, that quote just that that just you know, that's that was a sounding that, that was a sounding of an alarm for me. Yeah, because so, we've done this over and over and over again. I, I'm sorry, Davis, go ahead. The when I watched George Floyd, that was the first time I've ever watched one of these videos and cried. When uh, I heard him cry for his mother and knowing that she had died two years ago and he's still doing that deep soul bellowing cry out for his mom, that that broke me. Yeah. And I think that's the part where it started resonating for people. You got to watch, I believe if it was not the amount of time that it took for it to happen, it wouldn't have finally clicked to people. I think if it was not for the fact that he was restrained already and the man still stayed there, it wouldn't have clicked for people. That no matter what it is that he did, it did not matter. That man was going to kill him. He had already predetermined that this is what I'm going to do and I'm not going to move because the guy was in handcuffs. At that point, Every cop was like, wow, he's in handcuffs. You stop. That's the rule. Once you have him restrained, now you can get him to a seat. You have control now. There's no reason to do anything else to him except get him up and get him into the vehicle. But he stayed there. And imagine, and so what the world saw was the life drained out of somebody in real time. Now, You know, we have always positioned ourselves as a country as the moral authority. Well, you know, we're we're losing that. But 
one of the things that I think made everybody take to the street more because when um when Ahmad died, you know, you started to see some rumblings of protests and you know, people went out, you know, there was a guy here in Florida, he was a pastor. He took he he had on shorts, no shirt, white guy. He ran through a neighborhood with a TV and nobody stopped him. And so then he went and he talked about it. And then he started talking about how, you know, some people even waved at him, you know, hey, how you doing? But again, I try to put everything in back in historical context because there is nothing new under the sun. A lot of what got laws and things to change, even during the civil rights era, was Bloody Sunday. Because when John Lewis and the rest of them started walking across the Edmund Pettus Bridge and the news people were there and every, it was on, you know, we only had, what, three, three TV stations back then? So everybody saw it, including the president in real time. And so when, it, it's one thing for you to hear about something happening but it's something else for it to be like right in your face. And I think that's what made people go like, oh my God, that really happened. And then when you saw people, you know, spend the, I don't know exactly how much time it was because I refused to get that deep into it because all it does is make me cry again. But I think the fact that because the press was there, so now you notice that a lot of times in the rioting and all of that, they're, or the, the protests, they're not just attacking the protesters, but they're going after the press. Because if the yep. press is reporting it, yep. then the world can see it. Yeah, and, and, and I was telling somebody else, like the thing with the Floyd, with, with what happened with him, the difference is, is every time somebody got shot, you could understand, you know, you, people could reason with it or they could find a fault in it or, oh, if he wouldn't have did this or he wouldn't have did that or if this would have happened there. And they always were able to make an excuse and justify it because they can see themselves shooting somebody. Most people can. Most people cannot see themselves doing what they witnessed that man doing. Right. And that it was broke incomprehensible. Folks. Correct. So now my next question is, with all this stuff where you're seeing the police, even peaceful people are getting attacked, what do you do with the police from here on out? That's a really good question, and I think that's where, you know, I, I disagree when people say that there are no good cops. I know good cops, right? Um, but I think that we have to systematically have that blue wall taken down because uh, there is a lady, and again, I don't know where she where she was, but she was a police officer, and she got involved in an arrest because she felt that the cop was being too aggressive, and she lost her job. So th there has to be some things done now. People are talking about defunding police departments. I don't think you can totally defund the police, but I do think that there are some situations where you may not necessarily need to send a police officer with a gun. Maybe you need to send a mental health professional. We spend more money in a lot of states. We spend more money policing than we do on education. 
So there's something wrong with that. So I think we need to look at um, how we do some things. And then I think we need to look at some laws. Now, what they did in Minneapolis is they have finally banned chokeholds. But when they counted up the number of people that had gone unconscious just from chokeholds in that city, why did it take this long? Um, I am an ardent believer in voting, and I think the mistake we make in our community is two. One, a lot of us only vote every four years. Um, And then two, we only vote for people because they're black. And Mona um, Mm -hmm. alluded to this earlier. We need to look at people's records because one of the most powerful, if you ever read the book, The New Jim Crow, one of the most powerful positions in politics is the district attorney because they're the ones that decide what charges are, and those are elected officials. Judges are elected officials. You know, county attorneys, all of those are elected officials, and so we have to put in the work and make sure that we are sending the right people into these offices, and just because somebody looks like you does not mean that they are the right person. We've got some politicians here in Orlando that I'm like, hmm, I don't know if I was in your district if I would vote for you. Then we need to hold people accountable, right? If you're not going to do what needs to be done for everybody that's right, then we need to vote you out. There are some people who have been in office for a gazillion years, but the people won't vote them out. And so that's where we have to do the education. So we have to vote. And then the other thing we have to do is we have to have the money so that we can donate to some of these tasks so that they can press our agenda in Congress and let people know. Because I hear people say, we need to vote out all the Republicans. Well, quiet as a step is some Democrats that need to go too. So, and I can't remember who it was, but when the Congressional Black Caucus uh, was first formed, they said, we don't have permanent parties. We have permanent problems, and our allegiance goes with whoever is solving our problems. So mm-hmm. we need to be able to hold people accountable. And if we're not willing to do that, then running out into the streets and just protesting, that's not enough. We have to be educated voters. We need to turn off some of the stuff that we're watching on TV because, you know, you have some shows that, I'm sorry, they're racked. They have never showed uh, black women, especially, in a positive light. Why are we watching those shows? And those shows are on TV because we're watching them, and they're perpetuating a myth. Even something as simple as some of the stuff that shows up on our social media feed. We need to be able to either challenge it or block it. Some of these things are not okay, right? If, if I say Black Lives Matter and you say All Lives Matter, we need to have the conversation because I never said All Lives didn't matter. I just said that right now, you know, my house is on fire, so I don't need to put water on yours. Mine is the one that's burnt, right? So we need to be able to say right. this is an all-hands-on-deck solution. We have to vote. We have to support our communities. And, you know, we have to hold people accountable. And we need to check each other. We, we've got to check yes. each other because some of the stuff that I see, I'm like, that's not right. 
when people put up, I can't tell you how many posts I saw just today that would make people outraged until you go and look and see when the article was posted. And that article is Mm -hmm. from 2017. So why do I want to put that out there now? People are already in this heightened state. We've got to start checking each other. Brother, that's not right. And I want to go back to something that uh, Davis alluded to earlier when he was talking about the N-word, right? Um, We can jump through all kinds of hoops to try to say, okay, well, it's okay for you to say it, but not you. The word needs to go. And let's just end it there. It needs to go. Period. Period. Period with a T on the end. P-E-R-I-O-D-T. It needs to go. Period. That was my second word. Yeah. Say so what? I said I could, I could agree I with that. No, I'm getting better. He, he's he's got a nice little bout with his allergies that started today. But he was oh, saying yeah. he can oh, agree. Yeah, I'm yeah. fighting my nose. He could agree with it. Oh, bless your heart. Mona's going to make you some tea when we get off of this. Some nice tea. You know, get you a um, get you one of those organic cough drops and put it in a bottom of a teacup, and get you some lemon ginger tea and then some extra raw honey. Fix you right up. And I have all of the above. I'll make sure I do it. So because that's the other oh, thing we have, too. We need to go back to organic stuff. But anyway, what was your question? Um. Another thing I had was when they say the defund the police, what they're talking about is getting rid of like the military wing of the police. Like we don't need tanks from police. That's ridiculous to me. You know, they got tanks, rocket launchers and all of that. For, for, for what? Like who are we waging war against on our own soil? Like good grief. So as the police ramp it up, We're of course the war. people are going to raise it up. We are waging war against our own people. Our own people. And that hurts. Watching. Yeah. Ooh, let me, let me. <laughs> Watching. Um, uh, go ahead, uh, Anthony. I, I know, I think you have a caller. Well, I'm going to say this while you're working with that caller. Watching what happened in D.C. infuriated me a lot to make me super angry. But if you have a peaceful protest that's going on, that is our constitutional right. But to watch our military um, open fire or the police department, whomever it was, open fire on peaceful protesters that were doing their constitutional right. They sprayed them with rubber bullets, tear gas, um, the beanbag things. I watched on TV as someone, for no, he was just standing there with a sign. He got sprayed for no reason, and he couldn't even breathe or see. And before they can even, you know, he can figure out what's going on, they just started spraying him with, with rubber bullets. There, no warning, none of that, just sprayed. And it infuriated me 
to see that this is America and this is what happens to our own people, not just blacks, but also multicultural people being sprayed, children getting sprayed mm-hmm. on the street. Mm-hmm. That that and it mm-hmm. still infuriates me. Just the whole process of it infuriates me for a quote 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 photo op. As and and as a mm, I'm just gonna put it out there. As a Christian, you know, I, I I'm taught to forgive. And I do. And I'm taught to wait for um everything to come out and before you speak. I'm taught that too. I'm taught to I've lived with respecting my leadership. Um, you know, I and I understand President Obama made a statement prior to President Trump coming out, and I didn't even say anything about, you know, the pres- President Obama um, making a statement. We appreciate that statement. That that statement was heartfelt. But what I looked for was the leader of the free world to come out and say something that was going to unite our country in the midst of all this turmoil that was going on. Well, I looked for the well, as a human as a human resources professional, we were taught that past behavior dictates future behavior. And that's why we try to see what you did on your last job, try to predict what you're gonna do on your on your next job. So why are you looking for someone to do something that they've never done before? You set yourself up to be frustrated. I did. I totally and completely set myself off the way up. For, and I'm still mad about that whole thing. Still mad. Um, Anthony, I think why, why be mad? have a caller because I'm disappointed in myself. Okay. I'm why are we in myself not, with that one. Why are we not requiring, like, like I saw somebody's uh, suggestion, which was, like, make police a licensed person. So you have to get, like, a refresher every couple of years, and they can, re- they can look at your record, see how you've been, everything else like that so that these people can stop getting jobs because all they do is beat up somebody in one place, have to resign, get a check, move somewhere else, and they can join another force and do it all over again. Well, but I, there's I, got I, from, what from what I'm understanding is there's not a national database, and I think that's one of the things that the House of Representatives is working on, because you don't want people to be able to go from place to place to place. Um, there was, I can't remember what case it was, but he got fired from one police department and he just went to another, might have been in the same state, because he wanted, they wanted to make sure that he ended up with his pension. So, but the whole thing is it, it, you have to change the internal culture, right? Um, where uh, Brian got shot, they came out and they said, you're not supposed to turn off your camera now, right? So they had another situation that happened. I think a guy owned a barbecue restaurant, and he's coming home from work, you know, late one night after the protest, and he gets shot. And they find out that the police did not turn the body cam on. Those two officers were suspended, and the chief of police was fired because there was something about that culture that made them believe that that was okay. And since I said that, can let me say this parenthetically. Stop getting all up in an outrage when people get suspended. 
right? As an HR professional, I very rarely fired somebody on the spot. I would suspend them without pay so that I could get my paperwork together so it would stand up in court. So when people get suspended, that's typically the area that they're going in. So stop being that that's one that we can just take off the table. Okay, they got suspended, the wheels are turning. But it is a culture. And until you go in and change the culture, you're gonna say these see these things happening over and over and over again. I mean, my heart broke for that for the old man, the seventy five year old man. Because I don't care which way right. you turned that camera, he was pushed. But then if you noticed there was one police officer that his instinct was to go to him, and they pushed him along as well. Mm-hmm. So now two get suspended, and the, the rest of them decide, well, we're not going to work this task force anymore. Because there's something about that culture that said pushing a 75-year-old man down to the ground and leaving him leaving him bleeding on the sidewalk. There's something about that culture that says that that was okay. So until we change the culture, now one of the things that we missed was several years ago, there was articles coming out from the Justice Department says that police departments, and so since they were being infiltrated, we ended up with people who, they were not about policing. Mm-hmm. And if I lose you, it's because one of my headphones needs to be charged. Because <laughs> I was like, if I end up gone, that that's where I went, right? <laughs> that's okay. We'll carry it on, and we know what until you get until you uh, find your wired headset or put it back on. Well, but well, I, yeah, because I'm ahead. using I'm using a wireless one, and I'm actually using Rob's laptop. And it said, don't use the microphone from the laptop. So we, we tried to oh, pick okay. all this stuff up. Yeah. And I also wanted to say, and let me just double check. So, Anthony, I know you keep saying that there was a caller. Is that caller still there? Is the caller just listening? Yes, he's still there. He said he's trying to catch up to see exactly where we are before he jumped in. One thing I did want to say um, was this. So I, I, and I always try to look at it both ways because that's just my nature. So I look at, you know, these officers that are there. I have, my dad was um, an MP. He was a military police, but he was still, you know, an officer. And yes, it's different when it comes down to on the base and it does um, off base. But then I have several different, you know, other family members that are police officers, and they're actually manning these protests. One um, in Chicago, one here in Georgia. Um, some of them are state troopers and everything such as that. So there, there's that. And then I look at these National Guardsmen, you know, the people, the people that are protecting our country as well or being called to these different um, rights and or, or activated by the president to quote, quote, protect, you know, what's going on. These are my babies. These are my nephews. These are, you know, my godchildren. I'm watching these kids that I have watched grow up. They're they're 20-year-olds, 21, 25, whichever, 20-year-olds that are being put on the front line for something that they don't systematically 
have full understanding with. And and in a way, to me, that's wrong. And maybe that's that emotional portion in me. So I don't just look at it, you know, on the protesting portion of it. I also look at it on, you know, the 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 um, National Guard that's being activated. I'm pray, I pray, Lord, don't let my nephew be activated. Not for this. Not for something now, he just started the, to understand. Here's the fallacy of it, and it's something I had to learn when I was active duty. And then, you know, as I was getting out, we were going for Desert Storm. A whole lot of us went into the military not necessarily because we wanted to fight to protect and to preserve the Constitution. We went in because it was for a pension. But sometimes when we get in these positions, then we're called on to, you know, uphold whatever it is we swore that we would do. Now, there are situations, though. I mean, when you're in the military, when you are, I don't know about policing and all of that, you can refuse to enact a uh, unlawful order but you know the, the the biggest thing that i and that's why i tell people if you're going to go in the military or if you're going to connect yourself to something like that you really got to understand what, what you're going in for and that's not excusing what's happening i was i'm less concerned about the national guard people that are out there and i'm more concerned about the people that are there that they don't have name tags on and we don't know who they are those are the ones I'm concerned about. Because mm-hmm. there's no accountability. Ooh. We don't know who they report to. We don't know who they are. I mean, so you have you have press trying to figure out who these people are. We've been told that there's some that are from um, prisons. You know, they're like prison guards and stuff like that. Or so th- that is what concerns me the most. What's going on in D.C. But, you know, the bottom line is when it's all said and done, we just have to pray and trust God. You know, my, my big thing is people have endurance because the Alabama boy, bus boycott lasted for a long time. 381 days. I don't think people understand how long it lasted. It's like, do you have that endurance? And I just want to, um, I know that you all are on a strong topic, and hopefully my phone doesn't die. <laughs> Apparently I, I need to bring my uh, grab my charger. So we just had local news, um, and I know, Anthony, you've not seen it just yet, but um, in Putnam County, which is like a county away from us, a county or two, um, they're investigating um now because a body was found hanging from a tree. Oh, Jesus. And, Holy wow. Yes. And uh, so, you know, one thing that we do, well, like while we're on the shows, like we look for callers, comments, and things such as that, and this just stopped me in my tracks. You know, of course they're saying we're going to investigate if it's homicide or if it's suicide. Um. <laughs> They're, they're going to investigate, um, which rightfully so. It should be investigated. But reading something like this in 2020, that is that is heartbreaking. And it's, it keeps happening. And a lot of times, 
and and I, I try. Let me stop with my Ramona rants. I remember before when we were doing the shows, I get on the subject and I just just stick to it. But how? As a strategy lady, um, I'm not even sure if you need to talk to me, not even as a strategy lady at this moment. <laughs> I might just need you to speak. You might just need to speak to me as 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 our relationship and who I am. How can we heal as a nation if this keeps happening over and over and over? Ahmaud Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, um, George Floyd, that was in, what, a week span, two weeks? Not to mention all the people that the, the, the gentlemen in Kentucky, we, we're, they're out there protesting. That didn't even take long before somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. You know, Don't and yet the lady that was a sleepover in uh, Forsyth. Yeah. Okay. And the kid it's that so, got wrapped up in the gym at. So... This is what you have to understand. This is what you have to understand when people feel like you're losing power. Um, also, I want you to follow the Christian left because that is a site that they're speaking the way you feel like you need the body of Christ to speak, and I think that that will bring you some comfort. Now, when, when people are in positions or when systems are in positions of power, they do everything they can to get in power. But when they get to the place where they realize that that power base is slipping from them, and part of it is because, you know, just the demographics of who America is and, and all of that, they ramp up because they know they're losing power. And so that's why you see that. Does that make sense to you? Oh, that makes ultimate sense. Yes. I've been talking to people about that for a while. As soon as Trump came in, Trump coming into office was the uh, answer me, to eight years of disclaimer. Obama. Disclaimer, sir, sir, President. No, it Trump. is what it is. It was the answer to eight years of Obama because there was no way they were going to put a woman in office after a black man was in office. Never was going to happen. Honestly, believe that in a million years, and. This is the result of it because they were so angry after eight years. I used to go, I remember going to work and hearing, and we're in customer service, so you can't do anything about it. And and, and it's just outright just in front of you. It's like, wow, like, you're mad, mad about this. Like, really? And I think what happened, now, I don't think that he, he, um, Hold on. Let me see. Are you still there? We are here. Yes. Hello? Okay, so I'm trying to I'm trying to charge one earbud at a time. Um <laughs> it it basically it just made it okay for people to um show what was in their heart. Right? It was it was always there. I, I won't say that this current administrator administration caused it. But what they did was they, it's almost like it kind of, in other words, I can say what I want to say. I can do what I want to do. um, And, you know, it it, it is what it is. But the, um, you know, this, and and I'll have to research this one case that you're you're just now talking about. Um, But I do know this, and I have to keep everything biblical. And I know it's really hard 
when you say we have to pray and trust God, because one thing that I, and I used to hear a lot of um, people from different denominations talk about how they wanted God to judge America. They really believed that God was going to judge America. But the Bible says that judgment begins in the household of faith. And so I think we're having a reckoning in the household of faith. And what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to walk the word or we're going to deal with the consequences because as a collective body, we're not in position to stand in the gap. So I really believe God has given us an opportunity. And as each additional thing comes up, people are like, oh, my God, this really happened. Historically, we don't lynch ourselves. We, we don't hang ourselves historically. Correct. So I'm always suspect when they say that some that, you know, a, a, a black person, especially in the South, did that. But there has to be an investigation. And so you know, that, you know, it, it is what it is. But I think that we, we have to trust God like never before. And we have to trust God in a way like, what is the old people used to say? We have to trust him when we can't trace him. Mm. Because in, in the grand scheme of things, our ways are not God's ways and our thoughts are not, you know, his thoughts. So you had the whole thing that happened with Emmett Till and then look what came out of that. Now, and, and I do agree, we, we were looking for our civil rights. Um, I, I disagree on the fact where, because as King started talking about economics, every time we had a leader that turned to the area of economics, that's when they uh, would start to take them out. So, yes, we needed to have those civil rights laws passed because the way the original constitution was written, I mean, for you to vote, you had to be a white, wealthy landowner. That was in the constitution. So we did have to have right. all of those changes. But once he started talking about the Vietnam War and he started talking about economics and how America gave us a check that bounced, now you got to go. Hmm. I always said when he started talking about like the uh, bootstraps and about how the land grants were given yeah. and everything, he started breaking that down. Yeah, that, that was different. And I so tell everybody, let, I'm let like, me they talked to you about the beginning of King, never the end of King. <laughs> right, the end right, of because way he was one of the most hated men when he killed. So let me throw this out in case I get lost. So what? where do I think we go from here? I think that our first step was the, the, the boycott, not the riot. Mm -hmm. Although I recognize that riot is the language of the unheard, I get all of that, but I think the boycotts were good. Um, I think the conversations that we've been having is good because people are saying, well, I think we need to do this and I think we need to do that. And what people are realizing is each of us has our own assignment. Where do we go from here? Mm -hmm. I think economics, because we have to shore up the economic base in our community so that we can have viable political influence, right? I've called for two different boycotts. One of the boycotts that I've called for is a little bit harder than the other one, and that one is just basically we eat out. We eat out more than a whole lot of other people. So direct your eating out dollars to black-owned businesses, period. Now, we're not trying. So that means unless the McDonald's that you're going to is a franchise that's owned by uh, someone who is black, then we don't eat 
at the McDonald's, right? I've already gone online mm-hmm. and my favorite um, chicken sandwich, I already know how to make their sauce, right? And it's going to do a couple of things. One, we're going to be healthier because we're eating at home right. and we know what's in the food and we're not going to be having all those preservatives and stuff like that. And that's what we need to do. And we can't necessarily move it over into saying we can only shop at you know, black grocery stores and this and that, because in some areas, we don't have the infrastructure to make that happen. But restaurants, we right. need that, right? right? The other option that I gave people was, look at something that you can give up, right? I have given up my favorite latte. And what I've done is taken that money and redirected it to organizations that are already in place that are doing the work of either poverty, they're doing the work of justice, or they're doing the um, the work of, of hunger. So um, those are those are easy, low hanging fruit things. One of the things you're going to find is that when we eat at home, you're going to spend less money anyway. But women make seventy to eighty percent of the buying decisions in our families. So ladies, this is primarily on us because most of the time, if a brother's married, he's going to eat what we put on the table unless he's going to actually go out and cook himself. So we need to leverage that because those 381 days that that bus boycott was going, folks were selling dinners and we were running restaurants and we were using that money to bail people out because the work is not free. Right. And we got to have the money. Just in case right. I missed it, because um, I'm doing the same thing you did as well. Um, hopefully, not trying to trip as I'm walking for my charger. But um, some of the the thing, the places that we can donate to, I know, that, and we can we'll post them on the website a little bit later. I know, you know, between my mother and my beautiful godmother, who I have, they told me don't leave the house. Um, Rona's still out there, and I better sit down and don't go out. That's what they said. So someone like me, um, who is under strict instruction, um, I can donate. So what are are some of that? And I'm not sure if you mentioned that. I donate. Okay, so you can do, um, there is the Poor People's Campaign, which is, uh, and I like them because that's a, a coalition of especially ministers, um, Reverend um, Reverend Dr. Barber out of Goldsboro, North Carolina. Um, he's one of the co-chairs of that, and I found that there's actually a branch of it here in um, Orlando, but they are dealing with poverty. They are trying to do continue on the Poor People's March that uh, King was planning when he was murdered. And so... Um, you can do that online. Uh, you've got the Southern Poverty Law Center. You've got the Equal Justice Institute, which is another one that I donate to. Um, there, there's all kinds of, you've got homeless shelters right in your city. Just make sure that whatever organization you find, it, it speaks to your heart and your, your passion. And then you just do that online. Um, one thing, another thing I suggest that everybody do is right now on demand um, on a lot of your cable channels. They are showing Just Mercy for free. You need to watch that. You need to encourage your friends to watch that because uh, Brian Stevenson, who was the attorney in real life in that movie, Just Mercy, 
He is the one that started the Equal Justice Initiative, right? Um, the Southern Poverty right. Law Center is the only organization that actually filed a case against the Klan and won. Um, and they're still having problems um, from that because they get threatened and stuff all the time. But you have to just find uh, what works for you. I have a friend, she donated to another one. Um, but we can go out and, you know, just look for someone, you know, some and, and post those. But everybody can do something. Even if all you give is $10 a month to something for the long haul, just think if 100 people did $10 a month. Everybody can do yeah. something. So, you know, we're Christians. We give money to our church and stuff like that. But we also need to help do the work of justice. The Bible says it's the only scripture that my grandfather had outlined in his Bible that I got from him. It says, what is the duty of man and what does the Lord require but to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with thy God? Justice, mercy, mm. and humility. That's what we need in the entire body. I'm writing that down. <laughs> right. Good stuff. I want to say that's Micah 6 8. I, I just hope and that. You me... oh, I'm sorry, Ramona. You can go for it. No, no. no. I was just, I was going to say, you're going to hear me silent again because uh, sometimes I. I like I said, anytime we have Adrian Jenkins Hunt, she's dropping nuggets, and I'm catching them as she drops them. So um, you'll hear me silent because I'm I'm writing. So, uh, but go ahead. You know, I, I just want to reiterate my point from earlier. I really hope we have the dictativeness to carry this out the way it needs to be, and that this is not just an emotional reaction, or else. You know, we've done all this for naught, basically. Push this far just to be pushed back down would be foolish at this point in time. Uh, that's why I love to see the fact that it's happening all over the entire world where the diaspora is all of a sudden at one time just standing up, you know, and having each other's back in a way they never have. You know, when I started seeing the stuff in Germany and the Netherlands and stuff like that, I was like, whoa then you see it's all people, which is what it's always needed to be. And yeah, it wasn't I have, but I, I will say this. Yes, ma'am. I will say this. There's an old song that the saints used to sing, and it said, I'll go if I have to go by myself. If everybody else drops off, you got to keep going. Right, mm -hmm. because and and there's individual pockets of us. We are in it for the long haul. We are not going to get everybody a month from now. Everybody that's with us now is not going to be with us then. I want to say it was only about eighty percent of the people that sustained through that bus boycott. But we have to have the "I'll go if I have to go by myself" mentality, right? Because if God gave us an assignment. We're accountable for that assignment. God gave you this assignment to be a voice, and so you're accountable for it. So if you have a show where a 1,000 people listen, if you have a show where nobody listens, you still have to go if you have to go by yourself, right? If I see people that look like me, you know, sitting in some of these fast food places, 
God bless them. I'm going to keep going because I'm fighting for them. But like I said in one of my my blogs, I can't drink my favorite latte if I can't breathe. So I don't know that's, what it's going to take. I don't know what it's going to take to put situativeness in that person. But those of us that are in it for the, we're just going to have to go. And I will go if I have to go by myself. We got to go back old school. We got to go back to what we know and what works and not throw the baby out with the bathwater. We got to take the lessons from history so that we can understand what we're looking at. Because the Bible says there is nothing new under the sun. We've seen all of this, but what can we learn so that God can shine a light and show us a new way to deal with something that we've seen before? And it goes back to praying for the point. It it is. My heart is full and I'm grateful for you. I'm so grateful (laughs) for you because you just just don't know. (laughs) I know you know (laughs) because you know me. But I am mm-hmm. I, I am so grateful, so grateful for your words of wisdom and encouragement and your strategy as well um, uh, with, with the with these things that are that are happening. I did have another question because I almost forgot. So um, media, um, I see a lot of posts. And um, either you or Anthony can answer this question. So I see a lot of posts when when it comes down to the media. And most people are saying that the media is creating the narrative. And whatever it is that you see on, on the media is the narrative, or it might not just be so. So um, Anthony and I, we, we sat down one night, and um, we watched CNN on one show, and then, you know, so that way I like to have an unbiased opinion, I turned to Fox News. And the narrative on the same situation that is happening was just completely different. And, you know, you have the right, the left as well. But I'm looking, I'm like, how could you see these same protests that are going on? So on Fox News, it's stating um, – and, and I hopefully I'll get it, you know, get it correctly. So CNN is stating, you know, um, the racism, the injustices that are going on, you know, including the, the presidential photo op. They were just completely outdone. And, of course, we know about the CNN um, uh, newscaster that was arrested while being on live TV. So then, you know, on Fox News, you know, it is we're bringing um, – Back, uh, you know, although we're separated church and state, but the religious principles, no, not the religious, the moral principles this country is founded on, um, we are standing on these moral principles that this country was founded on. And it is not a racism issue. It is a systematic crisis in the social class, from the middle class to the working poor to the upper class. That's what the problem is. Nothing about racism, nothing about injustice, but the, make sure I got this right, the left would make it seem that it is a racism issue 
Um, you talked about the votes, and we and we talked about voting and making sure you look at the track history and records. One thing that was brought up was, um, you know, on Fox News, um, we registered the people to vote. The people are voting. And the people that we have put in power to vote, um, and, and they were referring to black people, never went back into their community to help, as they stated on the polls. You have these black teachers that are teaching in their community, but yet they're, the black students are uneducated. They're dropping at a high alarming rate, and it is not racism because the race is in there doing these things to their own community. So it is a class system, not racism. And the total different disparities I saw just between these two news channels, I was just sitting there like, can I be watching the same, the same thing, you know, people being pelleted with bullets? And that's why they're saying that people are rioting, uh, not rioting, excuse me, protesting because of social class. Tired. They're waiting on a stimulus check that hasn't came out. They're quarantined. They can't go back to work. That is why they're out protesting the injustice. It has nothing to do with racism. So I, I'd like to hear those thoughts, what you all thought of me. My mind was blown. I was just sitting there like, this is much. I had to see you all. But I'd like to hear what you both have to say with that. David, you go ahead because I'm looking up something. Ah, I found it. Okay, we had a caller just call in also, so I didn't know if you wanted to take that at all. But my thought on the media thing is I believe that, unfortunately, we don't have that many unbiased media outlets. And the reason I say that is, is once you throw your hat in the ring behind a president, you're no longer an unbiased media outlet. So... They're basically going to push okay. what they believe in, and the ones that are unbiased are small, and they depend on funding from us. You know, Democracy Now, some of the other ones that are out there doing like work where they're just like, "Hey, what's best for actually the people?" You know, it's, it's, that doesn't happen a lot. So that's my thoughts on that. Because uh, you have like that day we were watching Fox News, we were like, "What did he just say?" Mhm. Like he said, what? And I actually and, 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 and don't get all of my news out of this country. Right, right. We do that too. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I love Al Jazeera. Love him. And and BBC. <laughs> Here's the thing with coronavirus, right? Everybody that was talking about the coronavirus was a lusty plot to. Um, you know, overthrow our current presidential administration. Well, I was talking to people on the ground in India, Singapore, and China, and none of them were concerned with what was going on in America. They were concerned about this pandemic that was running through the world. So I think that that's where we have to expand our worldview. We have to, and and we have to not be afraid to listen to other people who don't agree with us. That's why I don't post, I don't block everybody on social media that follows me that says crazy stuff. Now, if you get to a certain point, then I'd be like, okay, I don't need to hear that because I need to protect my spirit. But 
you we we've lost the ability to agree to disagree and we we have to go get through the fluff and understand what the actual facts are. And sometimes the facts lean left and sometimes the facts lean lean right, but facts are facts. Okay, so we have fifteen minutes left and we have two callers that just called in. I'm going to take the one, give everybody a couple of minutes to talk. So, caller one, I'm bringing you in now. Um, hello, how are you doing? Welcome to We the Super Radio. How can we help you? Man, that lady is dead on with her commentary. I have to applaud her because you're absolutely right. You do have this class issue. And police brutality is not the biggest problem among African Americans or blacks. Their problems, and most many things, main is academics and economics. And when you lay it on the table, that's what it equates to. One affects the other. And as far as the, the uh, she's absolutely right about the bias in the media. You know, Chicago, since Memorial Day weekend, 215 shootings, 39 deaths. Where is that in the news? And it should be because we're talking about life, aren't we? I mean, we should be. So, no, she's right with uh, what she said. And I appreciate it. And you got blacks that are cut conservative blacks off. I vote for people because of the issue. I'm not a Republican, I'm not a Democrat. But I will take a politician and go to vote smart and look what their positions are on issues. And if their issues go against my interests, I'm not voting for her. I don't care who they are because it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. So you guys keep up the good work. Thank you very Thank much. You so much. Thank you for being an informed voter. And um, right. thank you again, caller. We, we, we love any callers that come in. <laughs> All right. And you had another caller? Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, call uh, you're up. How you guys? How, how you guys doing? Doing good. Yeah, uh, I'm very skeptical of black people who refer to other black people as they or their when they're discussing black people. That always kind of raises an eyebrow. And when people say, "How come the news is not reporting on Chicago?" and then they give you a figure on how many people were shot, and it's like, okay, well, where did you get that information? Were you outside counting? Or did you read that somewhere? So uh, I guess it is being covered. Now, as far as what you guys were uh, just talking about, though, I'm starting to wonder if it's even worth it at a certain point as far as running down, like, raggedy stories or blatant disinformation. Uh, In this age where information is so quickly available and, you know, they can use a meme to travel around nonsense just in mere seconds, and it affects millions. So, it's the idea of flooding the zone with trash, and then at that point, there's really a split reality in, in America right now as far as what, what's going on, uh, you know, the state of the world and everything else. And I think uh, the people who do want to see good, accurate things reported, at a certain point, we're kind of doing ourselves a disservice by trying to debunk every one of these, you know, raggedy stories we're going to run into because this is kind of how the game is played at this point. Like, you you know, this will go back to Cambridge Analytica, all the stuff we saw at Facebook in 2016, and just the ability to just flood everybody with, you know, 
nonsense and, and muddy the waters on essentially just straightforward, uh, which is kind of why this, this you know, uh, rest in peace to Brother George, which is kind of why this cut through so much, uh, I think, to the world because they got to see the whole event and there was no way for people to kind of soft pedal it as, you know, as, as they typically try to do with those situations. So I, and I, and I do want to ask a question. Uh, were you reading what you said you heard on Fox or were you giving those as your opinions uh, when you were saying race wasn't involved in the police thing? Cause I, I may have just came yeah. in on the wrong moment. No, no. I, so um, Anthony and I, that was actually on Fox news and they were discussing it. So we, um, I typically watch, you know, international news, but I wanted to see, you know, CNN, what was being covered. And then I was like, you know, so that way I try to stay informed. I also flip to Fox News. And that was actually what was being reported on Fox News. Not not my opinion. I was more so just stating that that was the, the differences between what's being, you know, the, the media agenda, what's being stated out there. And that's why, you know, like what you're saying is very true. You have got to go research and look for these things yourself and uncover the truth. And um, I have to uh, get in on that as well, um, because when you talked about not being able to run down every bit of information, that is absolutely true, because, you know, nobody has time to do all of that. So let me tell you the two times that I will step in and fact check somebody. One, if I know the person and I know that they're sharing something and they don't know that it's wrong. The other time that I will step in and fact check something, if it hits my news feed, is as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you misquote a scripture, I will correct it. But other than that, I mean, th- there is a lot of information that's out there, and some people knowingly spread misinformation, and it is what it is. But if I know you and I know that what you just shared is inaccurate, and Mona will tell you, I fact check her. Yes, she has. <laughs> For that one part of the scripture, she has fact checked me. She's like, "Oh no, if you're going to, you need to do the whole thing." Right. Well, uh, salute to y'all, man. I'm gonna hang back and listen to the show, but I, I think we all thought the information age, information superhighway, all of that, you know, high sounding stuff. We thought we would enter an age where uh, this would be news, kind of, you know, journalism's best time. And it's actually it's worse uh, just because of the ability to get that stuff out there so fast. And, and you know, <laughs> I can travel halfway across the world. And, you know, that's kind of the game that's being played, man. So that, that, that's an interesting way of approaching it. I'm still trying to figure out what's the best thank way. You, and and thank you so much. And your, and your comment. All right, good night, Joe. All right, Um, We the People Radio, we have about nine more minutes (laughs) that's still left. Oh, I hope my my headphones work. I've been bouncing back and forth. You want me to charge your headphones? You're get a wireless charger. It was was good if I could have some conversation with somebody and have some discussion, and that was was good stuff. Appreciate all that. Yeah. That was real. And and we're thankful. One thing that I love about – we the People Radio is, I'm thankful for the callers that call in. I thank you that you all are respectful with your comments as well. Whether you agree with them or not agree with them, um, I appreciate that. And it is going to take us to have open dialogue. Um, we want change. 
We want, you know, we the people is for the people, by the people, the actual people. And we want change, and we thank you so much for um, the callers that have called in. All right, so um, Adrian Jenkins Hunt, some final thoughts before your your earpiece dies. <laughs> My final thoughts, you know me, I'm going to go right back to the Word of God. The Scripture tells us to let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We cannot faint. We have to walk the walk that God has called us to walk, and we have to understand that in his time, he is going to make all things beautiful. We've gone to the end of the Bible, and we see what it says, and we know that we win. And it's, victory is not always pretty, but we cannot get weary and faint in our mind. The next thing we need to remember to do is practice radical self-care. You cannot watch the news all day, every day. Um, you cannot. You have to know what your heart can bear and do that. I, I know what I can watch on these videos, and I know what I can't. And then I know when I just need to step back and just say, okay, that's, that's enough for today. And that is perfectly okay. Every group somebody tries to put you in, because I have been invited to a thousand groups lately, Every video that someone sends you through your Facebook Messenger or whatever, you don't have to watch them. You are in control with how much of what's out there that you consume, right? So we just have to walk in wisdom. We have to walk in grace. And we must always walk in love because, and we have to honor the differences um, with each other because when it's said and done, the world will know that we are Christians and I'm unapologetically a Christian by the love we have one towards another. And so just check ourselves, walk in love, and look for those opportunities where we can deliver the message of Jesus Christ and we can have our hearts in our hands because God is not going to let injustice go on forever. I just have to believe mm-hmm. that. Oh, and That's how good. can we find you? How, how, how can um, those who are listening find you? Um, you well, on, it depends on where you're looking for me on Facebook. I am Adrian Jenkins Hunt. I can tell you now if you send me a Facebook friend request, I will check out your pages. And if it looks like all you do is spam stuff, I will not take you. Um, most of if you're looking for a lot of what we talked about tonight, you can find me on my blog, uh, My Two Cents. And which, um, if you look on social media, it's just Hunt's Two Cents, right? I'm there, and I'm also on um, Instagram, though not as much. But that's where I'm doing a lot of my blogging. And then, uh, of course, my website, www.hunt2cents.com. And I'm sure um, Mona and them will put up the link. But I'm, I'm just I'm doing a lot of writing right now. And I'm just saying what God is. I love conversation. Um, I don't allow people to come on my page and with an agenda or to troll other people because when it's all said and done, we're looking for solutions. Exactly. All right, Anthony, um, you got four minutes. Final thoughts. Oh, you go first. I just would like to say it's been um, a long seven months. Um, I want to thank everybody who did have the opportunity to listen tonight. 
Um, we also want to dedicate this show to our brother-in-love or Anthony's brother, Curtis, who passed recently. Um, we have been busy doing caretaking, so we did lose a loved one um, in, in this process. So, But we are thankful for our listeners for coming back with us and also looking for solutions as well. You know I'm the timekeeper and the disclaimer. Make that well, three minutes. Sorry. I took my uh, – never mind. I won't explain. I, I had myself on mute now giving this beautiful soliloquy. But <laughs> – Don't quit. Keep pushing till we get what we want because it's worth it and we deserve it. And for too long, we've just asked for the bare minimum and we were beaten down for asking for the bare minimum. Well, if we believe what we read in that word, it tells us that the bare minimum is not for us. So, Maybe that's the problem of why we've never gotten what we were supposed to get because we keep asking for what is less than us, so that's not acceptable. It's time for equality. So that's what I wanted to say, and then I wanted to play something that I really, really like, and it's something I believe that is what they're really afraid of, and that's everybody finally coming together because it's about classism. It's a, it's about the rich versus the poor. It always has been ever since then. If you ever read anything in the books, it's always been rich versus poor. All they did now was try to separate the poor. So I'm going to play my thing. There was that ant that stood up to me. But we can forget about him. Yeah, it was just one hand. <laughs> one hand. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's just one hand. Yeah, boys, they're puny. Hmm, puny. Say, let's pretend this brain is a puny little ant. Did that hurt? <laughs> nope. Well, how about this one? Are you kidding? <laughs> well, how about this? You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? 